Hey, y'all. Welcome back as we continue on through our journey in Exodus with chapter 3, verse 1. One day Moses was tending to the flocks of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led the flock far into the wilderness and came to Sinai, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a blazing fire from the middle of a bush. Moses stared in amazement. Though the bush was engulfed in flames, it didn't burn up. This is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush. Moses! Moses! Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. So a couple things here. Uh, Moses, he grew up in an Egyptian palace as an Egyptian prince. And this is about 40 years after he fled Egypt. And now he humbly tends to sheep. And the thing here is Egyptians despise shepherds. These And these aren't even his own sheep that he's tending to. So we, he, we see a huge humility as he tends to his father-in-law's sheep after being raised as a prince his whole life up until the point he fled. And 40 years later, he is a shepherd tending to sheep. And he God meets him. And I can't imagine what he thought when all of a sudden God just starts talking to him out of this bush that's on fire but won't burn. I just, I can't even imagine being present in that moment. In verse 7, it continues, Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of the harsh slave drivers. Yes, I am aware of their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt and into their own fertile and spacious land. It is a land flowing with milk and honey, the land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hevites, and Jebusites now live. Look, the cry of the people of Israel has reached me, and I have seen how harshly the Egyptians abuse them. Now, go, for I am sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people, Israel, out of Egypt." So God, he consistently refers back to the covenant that he has with his people, to the promise that he has. And this is a redemption story. This is a rescue mission that he he goes, he sends the people out of the foreign land they are in, and he's going to bring them into their own land, into his own plan. He's, it's a, he's going to get them out of there and pull them in. And in... Um, his, we we get a, a glimpse of God's heart and the the calling of Moses' life in this. In verse t- uh, 13, But Moses protect, protested to God, Who am I to appear before Pharaoh? Who am I to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt? God answered, I will be with you 
And this is your sign that I am the one who has sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God at this very mountain. And he's saying, like, this is all that matters. All that matters is I am with you. It doesn't matter who you are. It matters that I am with you because I am God. In verse, um, that was verse 12, verse 13. But Moses protested, if I go to the people of Israel and tell them, the God of your ancestors has sent me to you, they will ask me, what is his, what is his name? Then what should I tell them? God replied to Moses, I am who I am. Say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say to the people of Israel, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. This is my eternal name, my name to remember for all generations. So God is saying, I am God is forever present tense. He is a present tense God. He is I am right now. And then Jesus comes and says, I am the Son of Man. I am the Great Shepherd. I am the Salvation. And this is it's like an open, God is the I am, and he's ever present. And God is Yahweh, the God of the ancestors. In verse 16, now go and call together all the elders of Israel and tell them, Yahweh, the God of your ancestors, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob has appeared to me. He told me I have been watching closely and I see how the Egyptians are treating you. I have promised to rescue you from your oppression in Egypt. I will lead you to a land flowing with milk and honey. The land where the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites now live. And he, this is a promise from God we can stand on today. God promises to rescue us. We don't know when, if it's going to be in this life or next, but God will rescue us. That is God's promise. And we can stand on that promise in the word today. In verse 18, the elders of Israel will accept your message. Then you, you and the elders must go to the king of Egypt and tell him, the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. So please let us take a three-day journey into the wilderness to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand forces him. So I will raise my hand and strike the Egyptians, performing all kinds of miracles among them. Then at last he will let you go, and I will cause the Egyptians to look favorably on you. They will give you gifts when you go, so you will not leave empty-handed. Every Israelite woman will ask for articles of silver and gold and fine clothing from her Egyptian neighbors and from the foreign women in your houses. In their houses, you will dress your sons and daughters with these, stripping the Egyptians of their wealth. So not only is he going to save them, he's going to strip the Egyptians of their wealth in the process, and. That is amazing. He's telling him what exactly what he's going to do. In chapter 4, it continues, verse 1, But Moses protested again, What if they won't believe me or listen to me? What if they say the Lord never appeared to you? He's what-ifing. How many times do we do this in our lives, y'all, every single day? Moses cannot get past himself. In spite of all of God's assurance, he's stuck on himself. Then the Lord asked him, what is in your hand? A shepherd's staff, Moses replied. 
Then God asks us that question. What do we have in our hands? What can we do with what we have right now? We can get our eyes off of our weaknesses of ourselves and put our eyes on the strength of God and use what we have in our hands. In verse 3, throw it down to the ground, the Lord told him. So Moses threw down the staff and it turned into a snake. Moses jumped back. Then the Lord told him, reach out and grab its tail. So Moses reached out and grabbed it, and it turned back into a shepherd's staff in his hand. Perform this sign, the Lord told him. Then they will believe that the Lord, the God of their ancestors, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, really has appeared to you. Then Yahweh said to Moses, Now put your hand inside your cloak. So Moses put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out again, his hand was white as snow with a severe skin disease. Now put your hand back in your cloak, Yahweh said. So Moses put his hand back in, and when he took it out again, it was as healthy as the rest of his body. The Lord said to Moses, If they do not believe you and you are not convinced and are not convinced by the first miraculous sign, then they will be convinced by the second sign. And if they don't believe your believe you or listen to you, even after these two signs, then take some water from the Nile River and pour it out on the dry ground. When you do, the water from the Nile will turn to blood on the ground. So a sign is is something that points to something else. A sign is something that points in a different direction, and it points to something. And he's telling him the reason for the sign. Why do we need this sign? So that they believe that Yahweh sent them, that Yahweh is sending them to rescue them, and that Yahweh sent Moses. That's the reason he needs these signs, so that they believe him. In verse 10, but Moses pleaded with the Lord, Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied, and my words get tangled. He is really stuck on himself. He cannot stop doubting himself. His issue is self-focus. Verse 11, then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear, see or do not see. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. But Moses again pleaded, Lord, please send anyone else. So Moses, we really need to shift our eyes to the strength of God and get off our self-focus. We do this still today. We can get our eyes onto our weaknesses And instead of focusing on the strength and the ability of God and the mightiness of God, in verse 14, then the Lord became angry with Moses. He's been patient this far, but he's losing his patience. And Moses is refusing to just trust and obey God. And he's getting angry with him. All right, he says, what about your brother Aaron, the Levite? I know he speaks well. And look, he is on his way to meet you now. He will be delighted to see you. Talk to him and put the words in his mouth. I will be with both of you as you speak. I will instruct you both in what to do. Aaron will be your spokesman to the people. He will be your mouthpiece and you will stand in the place of God for him, telling him what to say. And take your shepherd's staff with you and use it to perform the miraculous signs that I show you and that I have shown you. So he he meets him in the middle. He's like, okay, I'm getting angry. I'm losing my patience, but let's meet in the middle here. So he's like, all right, let's do this. And God gives us both our abilities and our weaknesses with a purpose. 
God is strong in our weaknesses, and God uses our weaknesses to prove his strength and his miraculousness and his amazingness through our weaknesses, because everyone around us knows our weaknesses and knows that we couldn't do what God's asking us to do without God himself working through us in those weaknesses. That's why those weaknesses are so important. Verse 18, so Moses went back home to Jethro, his father-in-law. Please let me return to my relatives in Egypt, Moses says. I don't even know if they're still alive. So he is, again, showing humility and respect, and he wants to go and speak to Jethro before he just leaves. Go in peace, Jethro replied. Before Moses left Midian, the Lord said to him, Return to Egypt, for all who wanted to kill you have died. So Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey, and they headed back to the land of Egypt. And in his hand, he carried the staff of God. So now it switches. It's no longer Moses' staff. It's God's staff. He, when we see our roles and abilities belong only to God, God will use them. And he is seeing that. And he's like, okay, let's do this, God. In verse 21, And the Lord told Moses, When you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles that I have empowered you to do. But I will harden his heart, so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, This is what the Lord says, Israel is my firstborn son. I command you, let my son go, so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will now kill your firstborn son. And that does happen in the tenth plague, spoiler alert. In he, when God speaks here, it's a very intimate language. He's talking about his firstborn son, Israel, and it's a covenant, intimate relationship that he has with Israel. And he, he's commanding him, let them go so they can worship me. In verse 24, it continues. On the way to Egypt, at a place where Moses and his family had stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. But Moses' wife, Zephorah, took a flint knife and circumcised her son. She touched his feet with the foreskin and said, Now you are a bridegroom of blood to me. When she said a bridegroom of blood, she was referring to the circumcision. After that, the Lord left him alone. Now the Lord had said to Aaron, Go out into the wilderness to meet Moses. So Aaron went and met Moses at the mountain of God, and he embraced him. Moses then told Aaron everything that the Lord had commanded him to say, and he told him about the miraculous signs the Lord had commanded him to perform. Then Moses and Aaron returned to Egypt and called all the elders of Israel together. Aaron told them everything the Lord had told Moses, and Moses performed the miraculous signs as they watched. Then the people of Israel were convinced that the Lord had sent Moses and Aaron. When they heard that Yahweh was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshipped. So they know that Yahweh loves them, and they know that Yahweh has returned and is going to rescue them. So they again are brought to worship. And that ends chapter four. So we'll continue on our journey with chapter five tomorrow. I hope you all are having a most wonderful day.